Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages, the hope that comes... Good morning. We want to welcome you all here on our campus in Granby, as well as our online campus. We're, we're glad you're here. I want to talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul is the person who personally wrote over half of the New Testament books. And the Apostle Paul is the person who pushed to take the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world beyond the borders of Israel. And he personally did that. Now, what he did was not easy. In fact, it's amazing that he survived all of the things that he experienced. And and you get a glimpse of what he experienced, what he went through when he did this as he wrote his second letter to the church in Corinth. And this is what he wrote about what had transpired in his life after he became a follower of Jesus. He said, I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers." I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been naked and cold. That's a lot. And yet, in another letter to the church in Philippi, he writes humbly about how he has had the strength to endure all of that. He says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, that strength and that power that Paul received came from what God the Father and God the Son gave him when he became a follower of Jesus. They empowered him with the Holy Spirit. Just as a reminder, I'll tell you what Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. We read this. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You know, the reality is all of us have that power. Now, I, I read an illustration this week, and I, and I want to share it with you. So, so think about this. Let's pretend I have a tricycle up here, and I actually want to sell this tricycle, and, and I want to sell it to you. But if you look closely, while you'll see that it's really attractive, it's in looks beautiful, the finish is fine, it only has two wheels. Not a very good tricycle, is it? The reality is that sometimes in our walk as followers of Jesus, we go through life like a tricycle with only two wheels. Oh yes, we believe in God the Father, the creator of all things. We believe in Jesus, the Son of God who died on the cross, who became our Savior. But we don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may 
freak us out a little bit, we, or we may know that we have it, but we just don't know how to walk and step with the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to talk about the hope of the power for living with God. And you can't talk about that with talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to dig into this, and I want to talk about the fact that you and I have the power, okay? When you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you, to live inside you, whether you recognize it or not. The Bible says this in the book of Ephesians, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So the day that you decided to believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. You may not have experienced anything different, but that's the promise. You've been identified as a son, a daughter of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has come to live in you. And remember, this is what Jesus said about that. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you have the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and and with us, Scripture tells us that we have access. Think this through. We have access to the very power and personality of God. As the Spirit has His way in us, a transformation occurs. We begin to think the way God thinks. We begin to love the way God loves. And we begin to see things the way God sees things. And we begin to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to walk, in other words, live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul gives us some more insight to that power. I'm going to read a long section of Scripture, but I want you to look everywhere it talks about power in this Scripture. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So first, Paul prays that God would strengthen each and every one of us through the Spirit's power so that we may believe in Jesus, so that we may walk by faith in Jesus. But secondly, then Paul prays that we would have the power to grasp God's love for us and live out of that love. But it's verse 20 that should really catch our attention because he says that through God's power working in us, Through God's power working in us, God is able to do more than we could dare ask or imagine. Now, let me remind you what that power looks like. 
the, the Bible tells us that when we let the Holy Spirit work in us, it will produce good and godly emotional attributes in our lives that we couldn't necessarily produce by our own determination. Now, the Bible calls those things the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine fruit of the Spirit. Now, that fruit is produced because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and the Spirit's power is given to us. And I appreciate what Max Lucado says. He says, the attributes appear in the life of a Christian in the same way an apple appears on the branch of an apple tree. Fruit happens as a result of that relationship. Sever the branch from the tree and forget about the fruit. Yet if the branch is secured to the trunk, nutrients flow and fruit results. So it is with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As our relationship with God is secured and unmarred by rebellion, sin, and stubborn behavior, we can expect a harvest of fruit. We needn't force it. But we can expect it. It simply falls to us to stay connected to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, look, we're in a right, when we're in a right relationship with God, the power of the Holy Spirit will flow through us and give us power for living in ways that we might not be accustomed to. Think about it. On your own, you may go through each day and you may be able to exhibit some love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationships with some people. But can you do it with all people? Look, I'm certain we all have relationships with people, honestly, that are hard to get along with, hard to love, hard to, to show gentleness and patience to. But when we're connected to God, we have God's Spirit. And the Spirit can help us bear that good fruit in the relationships where it comes easy and also in the relationships where it's difficult. In the situations in life that are challenging and in the situations in life, feel like you got it. Maybe you've got it because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also does something else. The Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts, with spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul writes about it this way. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've been given to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in all its various forms. You know, when we go through the growth track, the second step of the growth track, we actually help people identify and discover their spiritual gifts. So I encourage you, if you've never taken it, to sign up for it. You can go to our website to do that. But here's the big picture. The Holy Spirit knows you. The Holy Spirit knows you. The Holy Spirit knows me. The Holy Spirit knows all of us. He knows how we were created by God. He knows how we were knit together in our mother's womb. He knows some of those natural talents we have. He knows some of those passions we have. And on top of all of this, though, he, he gives us a spiritual gift to work in concert with how he's wired us but also with the needs of the body of Christ, with the needs of the church, because the Spirit knows what the church needs. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. You know, when the pandemic hit last year, um, we realized, as every church in the world realizes, like, oh, wow, we've got to go online. Uh, we can't meet in person. Well, God gave us 
the right people at the right time with the spiritual gifts who were willing to roll up their sleeves and serve and make it happen. You know, many of you don't know this, but we decided like on Thursday to go online and by Sunday we were online. And uh, that was because God brought the right people at the right time with the right gifts. And we are grateful to those people and we're grateful to God. Earlier this year, as things began to get better in the pandemic, we began to realize that we wanted to be able to serve some of our kids. They're right now in children's church right next door in our children's ministry wing. And so, you know, we reached out to our children's ministry team, realizing that some of them wouldn't feel comfortable helping or assisting, or some of them shouldn't because of the age bracket they're in. But we said, you know, we're sensing that we need to do this. Would you pray about it? Would you think about it? And over a dozen people raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm comfortable doing that. And and so we've been offering Children's Church on Sunday mornings at 9.15. And and just uh, last month, we actually began our midweek children's program. And so I'm grateful to God for those people. I'm grateful to those individuals. But God gave us the right people at the right time. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. Max Lucado writes this. He said, The Holy Spirit distributes gifts according to what the church will need in a particular region or a particular season. When the gifts are active, the church is empowered to do the work for which it was intended. For this reason, we do not begrudge the talents of another believer or the accomplishments of another church. And then he goes on and he says, does the saxophone player envy the tuba player? Not when each musician is playing his or her unique part and following the lead of the conductor. When the church members do the same, the result is power. The power of the Holy Spirit is released in the body of Christ. Now, what I want you to see is that because the Holy Spirit is living in you, you and I have the power of God working in us and through us. So let's just talk about uh, the power for living uh, for God. And I want to go back to some of the verses that I mentioned earlier. So Philippians 13, 4.13, it says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. As you and I live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give us power to live our lives for God. He will empower us to love God, and he'll empower us to love people, and he'll empower us to change the world, be it one person, one day, one moment at a time. He will work in us that way. And I think it needs to be said that he'll empower us to do things according to the will of God. And the Bible attests to this. When we're doing things through Christ, he gives us strength to do those things that the Spirit leads us to do, telling us clearly that these things are of God. I think back to the verse I read earlier from Luke 24. Verse 49 says, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Just before Jesus said this. He was telling the disciples how he has fulfilled the prophecies that had been written in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And he tells them that they are actually witnesses to these prophecies being fulfilled. And after he says that, he says, you're my witnesses to tell those that I have fulfilled those. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. 
to give you the power that you need, the power for living to be my witnesses here and around the world. And that's actually what he says again later on. We read in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to the disciples, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. He's saying, listen, you're going to be my witnesses around the world. And, and that promise of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses wasn't just to those disciples then. It's to every subsequent generation of followers of Jesus. Now, I really want to emphasize this because I want us to always understand that the power for living for God that we have, it comes through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is focused around the kingdom of God coming to earth. This power for living isn't just to create our personal kingdoms to make us happy. It's about us living for God and the establishment of his kingdom both in our hearts but also on the earth. Look, when you, when you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see time and time again how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of followers of Jesus to fulfill what God wants them to fulfill. In the Bible, it tells us that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and that he had power and boldness to speak to the rulers of Jerusalem about Jesus when he had been arrested. The same thing is spoken about the early church when they gathered. The Bible tells us they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gave them the power to speak the word of God boldly. Stephen, the first martyr in the church, was said to be full of the Holy Spirit. And it's said that when he spoke, the Holy Spirit gave him such wisdom that those who spoke against him couldn't refute him. Barnabas. Barnabas was said to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit empowered him to share his faith. And it says many other people came to believe in Jesus because of him doing that. And then finally, the Apostle Paul, he was filled with the Spirit and he was empowered to confront a sorcerer and actually stop the evil that this sorcerer was doing. Now, I share all those examples with you because God has given us the power for living through the Spirit for the most important reason of being a witness for Christ and bringing more people to faith in him. The power that God gives all of us who believe in Jesus is that his will would be done and that his kingdom would come in our lives and on this earth. And we have to be about that. We all have access to this power, this power for living. But I recognize this. I suspect you're like me that sometime you've sort of said, wow, I feel like I should be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I should be having the power of God's Spirit work in me, but I'm experiencing a power outage. Why does that happen? Well, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill us with power for living for him, but unfortunately, you and I can do things to short-circuit the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. We can't stop the power of the Holy Spirit, but our behavior, our life, may actually interrupt what God wants to do with us because of our behavior. The Apostle Paul asked the Christians in Galatia this. He said, after starting your new lives in the Spirit... 
Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I mean, the reality is this, that sometimes you and I walk by the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit work in us, but sometimes we take control, and for lack of a better word, we, we walk by the flesh. We try to do things our own way and try to manufacture power or whatever we're doing. Again, going back to Stephen, the first martyr, when he testified to those leaders in Jerusalem about Jesus, this is what he said to them. He said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You see, they're resisting the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit wants to do in their lives. And what Stephen is saying actually helps us understand what resisting the Holy Spirit may look like when we're living in a way that is resistant to the Holy Spirit. So when he talks about stiff-necked people, he's talking about stubborn people. Stubborn people are people who, who think they know what's best, who, who, who always have the best way in their minds of doing everything, and they resist doing what others suggest, and they resist the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Then Stephen says uh, that they have uncircumcised hearts and uncircumcised ears. What does that mean? Well, that means they're actually rejecting the covenant. Because remember, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. They're rejecting God's covenant. They're not listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. And they're not following what the Spirit is telling them to do in their hearts. You know, we resist the Holy Spirit when we disregard God's word. When we don't follow the teaching of Jesus, when we don't love God with all that we are, when we don't love others as we love ourselves. You know, each and every one of us is capable of resisting the Spirit of God and thus missing out on that power that He wants to release in our lives and through us. Scripture goes on and tells us some other ways that we have some power outages. You see, we lose out on the Spirit's power. Paul says, when we grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Now, let me read you the verse. Paul writes, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's like, wow, that's pretty heavy. What's he talking about? Well, if you go back to the verse before, scholars point this out, that the, the grammar in verse 30 points back to verse 29. And verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. That verse makes it very clear that our speech, what we say, can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now think about it. Why would this happen? Well, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of all of us. The Apostle Paul basically pointed out that each one of us is a, is a walking temple of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit dwells in us. So when we use our words to tear one another down, Instead of building them up, that causes the Holy Spirit pain. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Think about this. It grieves the Holy Spirit because when our words tear down one another, it fractures the body of Christ. It creates disunity and division. Early in this chapter, earlier in this chapter from Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
when we don't keep the unity of the Spirit, we've broken the unity. It's splintered. And that grieves the Spirit. We're missing out on the power that He wants to give us. And I think that through, okay? I'm talking about tearing people down when, we, when I, we use our language, as He says, with unwholesome talk. Tearing people down, gossiping, uh, using vulgar language, uh, you know, verbally abusing people. Think about it. There's so many ways. It's convicting. And we lose the Spirit's power when we do those things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We also lose the Spirit's power when Paul writes, when we quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. So the image here is throwing water on a fire to put it out. We quench the Spirit's fire when we allow our thoughts or our actions to, when we allow thoughts or actions to come into our lives that are contrary to the character and commands of God. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. We quench the Holy Spirit's fire when we reject the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we don't follow his teaching, when we reject his testimony about Jesus, or when we ignore his guidance, the Holy Spirit desires to ignite the power of God in us. And when we quench the Spirit, we miss out on that power. So let me ask you some tough questions, okay? Just think these through. Are you regularly disobeying God's word? Are you refusing to forgive someone? Are you creating disunity in the body of Christ? Are you cheating on your taxes, on your spouse, or on a test? Are you rejecting the teaching and testimony and guidance of the Spirit? If the answer is yes to any of those then you're missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit working in your lives because you're rejecting his guidance. You're grieving, his, grieving him and you're, and you're quenching his power. So do you want to have the unshakable hope of God's power for living in your life? Then scripture tells us this, keep in step with the Spirit. So the best way to keep in step with the Spirit is to obey the teaching of Scripture and to follow those promptings that you feel from the Spirit that actually align with the will of God and are confirmed by Scripture. Now, to do that means very simply, you and I need to always be familiar with God's Word. We need to read it. Specifically, I would encourage you to focus on the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then I would encourage you to do a word study on the verses in the New Testament that speak about the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I would encourage you to do the same with the, with the Old Testament. And then begin to obey what you learn about the Spirit and how He wants to work through each one of us. So here's a clue. Here's a clue about if you're wondering how are you keeping in step with the Spirit. When you notice the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life, 
then you're keeping in step with the Spirit. So look for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Again, let me quote something from Max Lucado. He says, these emotions are indicators on our spiritual dashboard. Whenever we sense them, we know we're walking in the Spirit. Whenever we lack them, we know we're out of step with the Spirit. So let me remind you, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, on the day you first believe, at the moment you came to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was poured into you as a guarantee of the promise of eternal life, but as a guarantee of the promise of God with you. And the Spirit lives with you and in you and wants to lead you and guide you and comfort you and teach you so much and release His power in you. When you lack the Spirit, you lack that. If you've never put your trust in Jesus and said you believe in him and follow him, then you're missing out on that. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do that before we close out this message. So if you're here in the room or online, I invite you to bow your heads and and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never told Jesus you believe in him, I'm going to lead you in a prayer so that you can tell him that you believe in him and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Dear God, we believe in Jesus. Go ahead and just pray that back to him. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I repent of my sins. And I commit myself to following you. Come into my life. And fill me with your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. You've become a follower of Jesus Christ, a a child of God. But you've also been filled with the Holy Spirit. So begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. If you did pray that prayer, we'd love to hear from you so we can encourage you in those next steps. So please do that. I would also encourage you to consider joining a life group because that's a way to take those next steps in fellowship with other believers. But this morning, as we close out this service and this message, I want to invite all of us into a, a time of prayer with a song. You can sing the song or if you just want to pray the words as we sing it. The song is, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And that's what we need to say every day. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. You're welcome to release your power and guide me and direct me each and every day. So will you stand with us and sing this song as a prayer to the Holy Spirit? Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.